Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hey everybody, today we're going to talk about one of the biggest enemies of your life, but first, <laughs> dun dun dun, but first, uh, I just want to thank you again for Serve Day last weekend. I heard from someone every day this week who just was so appreciate, uh, appreciative of uh, what was built or what happened and this encouragement. Uh, maybe their parent got in a retirement home or something, something like that and just wanted to say thanks again. And uh, last Friday, we had the blood drive and uh, totally filled that. So uh, thank you uh, so much just for being so servant-hearted and way to go with that. I love summer at Rockbrook. We're planning a great fall series and small group semester, by the way. Uh, not quite ready to announce what it is, uh, but I'm going to... I'll do that soon, but we're going to call our church to some very focused and intentional days this fall, and I'd love it if you'd just let us lead you through uh, some breakthroughs this fall in the midst of a crazy year. If it's going to be crazy, might as well get something out of it, Uh, might as well, uh, you know, do something about it, so uh, we're looking forward to that, and I'll be sharing more in the future We're going to keep going with this rethinking theme for a little while. I know small groups, uh, we're coming to the end of that semester. Some of you stop after serve day or take August off. We're going to keep going with this theme for a little bit while longer though. And in this series, we've been teaching that if you want to change something in your life, the same kind of thinking that you've had that you've been using isn't going to work to make the change because if you think the same thing over and over again, you're gonna get the same result over and over again. And the first few weeks we looked at what it means to think like Jesus and how to manage our minds. And then we started looking at how this affects different areas of our life, the way we serve, our view of ourself. Good grief, last week's message. It's been one of the most powerful weeks of my life reviewing that message, the faith confessions. If you missed that, go back and catch that one. Next week, we're gonna talk about our relationships. Uh, Next week's message will be PG, by the way. Uh, I don't say that to make you nervous. It's not gonna be crazy, uh, but just like to give you a heads up uh, that some parental guidance will be suggested if you bring your kids uh, to that one. But today... We're going to talk about one of the biggest enemies of your relationships, one of the biggest enemies of your mind, of the way you think, the enemy of discouragement. Is anyone discouraged today? Don't raise your hand, but are you discouraged? Maybe you feel misunderstood or misrepresented, uh, maybe by something that's happened uh, that's been a huge disappointment, or maybe you're just beat down from things that have accrued over time that any single one of them isn't the biggest thing in the world but all of them together maybe you're feeling discouraged today I pray this message is the beginning of encouragement but discouragement it often happens when a plan or a project or a relationship is not going the way we want it to go A plan, a project, a relationship not going the way we want it to go. Because it's easy to start something. And some people say it's hard to finish. I think finishing's fun. 
Like when you get to the light at the end of the tunnel on something, it's just nothing can keep you from, from finishing. It's, in, it's the middle, it's the grind that when the start, the buzz of the start wears off, but you cannot yet see the light at the end of the tunnel is where we lose our vision. The grind is much more difficult. We lose sight of what it's gonna feel like when we accomplish this thing or we, we finish our life well. It's in the grind, it's in the middle that the enemy tempts us to give up. The devil's two favorite words are give up. If you wanna do what the devil wants you to do, give up. And some of you may be thinking of giving up on something, giving up on your family, giving up on a relationship, giving up on a mission, may even be considering giving up on your Christian faith. Now, even the the best and most godly people get discouraged at times. We have 2,000 years of church history uh, that shows some of the greatest leaders and even church fathers would have seasons and times of deep discouragement. Scripture talks about how Moses was discouraged on multiple occasions and the Israelites got so discouraged at times. David faced discouragement. Elijah uh, was once so discouraged that he wanted to die. The Apostle Paul shares his discouragements. Paul, of course, had so many, it's just such a tough life and so many things to weigh him down and discourage him. Not the passage in your notes, but in 2 Corinthians 11, he just starts listing some of the obstacles and discouragements that he's faced. He says, five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. He says, I've traveled on many long journeys, faced danger from rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long. I've endured many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. He's faced some stuff. And I I wanted to read that to you because the passage in 2 Corinthians that we are going to drill down on today works. It works. It kept him going in the midst of all that. And what Paul shares earlier in this letter to the Corinthians is what kept him going. And it kept him from giving up in the midst of all that. You'll see in this passage several times there's like, this is why we don't give up or some phrase like that. He's talking about discouragement, why, why discouragement doesn't overcome him. So let's just, let's just read the whole chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 18, and then we're gonna go back through and hit some of these points and pull the points directly from scripture. You can follow along on the screen or on the notes. Are you ready? Say yes. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's only hidden from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. 
You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. This can be a very hopeful and helpful message today. My hope is that you would, wouldn't only feel better because you came to church, uh, but that we would learn to think like Paul thinks about discouragement. In fact, this isn't going to be a very inspiring message because I've found when people are deeply discouraged, when I'm deeply discouraged, hang in there, keep it up, you can do this. Uh, it doesn't last very long, doesn't go very far. I want, I want us to rethink discouragement, change the way we think about discouragement. I want to think about it the way Paul does. And so let's just dive into our message notes and dissect this chapter. And The first thing Paul brings up is the mercy of God. How do we stay encouraged? Number one, never forget God's mercy. We have to keep this constantly in focus if we're going to defeat discouragement because everything in life flows out of the mercy of God. Every good thing, the grace of God, the love of God, the kindness of God, that's why we don't become discouraged and we never give up. Verse one, he says, therefore, since God in his mercy have given us this new way of life, he gives this phrase, we never give up. Like someone wanted us to give up, but we don't do it. And he starts by saying, I don't get discouraged because I remember the mercy of God. And when I'm focused on that, it helps drive the discouragement away. Everything, every good thing in life is a gift of God's mercy. It's mercy that God knows every mistake and sin I'm going to commit in my life, yet he still creates me, still loves me, still makes a way for me. Mercy is that there was a debt hanging over my head. Jesus Christ paid it. 
There was a punishment hanging over my head. Jesus Christ suffered it in my place. There was an impossible task laid out for me. Jesus Christ accomplished it. It is finished. And when we get discouraged, at that moment, we stop feeling the mercy of God, the love of God, because you can't feel how much God loves you and be completely discouraged at the same time. It's either one or the other. And I don't know why, why it is, and I pray against it almost every day of my life, but many people who follow the Lord for a long time, they've been Christians a long time, they don't feel God's mercy because they think God only speaks to them in a critical voice. And, and it's like they hear their mom or their dad or something in their back of their head, and every time God speaks to them, it's always negative. Friend, if the voice is always negative, it's not God. God did not come to earth, die on the cross, rise from the dead, ascend to heaven, send the Holy Spirit to live inside of you so he could nitpick, nag, and criticize everything you do. <laughs> Remember, you were created to be loved by God. Like that, that's why he created, that's the first purpose of your life. The first calling on your life is as a child of God to be loved by God. The first purpose of your life is not to do anything. The first purpose of your life isn't even to love him back. It starts with receiving his love. God wants to love you. He is loving you. Let him. Let him do it. Well, how can I do that? Well, the best way is to do what, what Paul gives here in verse two, and that is to reject dishonesty. Nothing is more discouraging than dishonesty. When you try to be something that you're not, when you distort the truth, uh, when you act, when you pose, it gets tiring, you're afraid that people are gonna find out who you really are, you're afraid that God might not love you, and all of these things. Nothing's more discouraging than trying to be something that you're not. Because God wants to bless you, not who you pretend to be. God doesn't bless fakes. He doesn't bless phonies. He doesn't bless posers. And if you want God's blessing on your life, come as you are and submit to him as he, his, as he is and surrender to the truth of God, the truth of scripture, and the truth of who God made you to be. Verse two says, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. So he's applying this to his uh, ministry of preaching, his preaching ministry. And he says, we're not preaching for the approval of other people. We're not trying to pull one over on you. I couldn't live with myself if we did that and it wouldn't be helpful to you. He says, I'm just being myself. I'm not trying to please everybody, which is impossible because once you get crowd A happy, crowd B's ticked off at you. And once you appease crowd B, crowd A is mad about something. He says, so I'm just not even trying it. Here's the truth. Here's the way it is. And if you're always trying to be something you're not, you're gonna be under stress. You're gonna be under fear of being exposed and you're gonna be prone to discouragement. And too often a discouraged life flows from something that is concealed, a concealed sin, something that you're hiding from a parent, hiding from a boss, hiding from a spouse. 
And sin will tear you up inside. That's why I encourage you almost every few weeks to let it out. It's gonna hurt, but it's far better for you than the alternative to live in that concealed sin. It's gonna discourage you. And the truth of God sets people free. Come on, let's make it about God. That's number three. The third thing he gets at is, I gotta remember, it's not about me. The more self-focused I am, the more prone to discouragement I'm gonna be. And every time you forget that life is bigger than you, that you're not the center of the universe, you're not God's gift to the world, you think it's all about you, anytime you forget that it's not about you, when we do that, we grow either prideful, fearful, or bitter. Prideful, fearful, or bitter. Because God did not make the world to revolve around us, and it's not going to. And not only that, when, when I think it's all about me, I take everything personally. When you think it's all about you, you take everything personally, and your feelings get hurt so fast, and it's discouraging. Here's how Paul applies this to his preaching ministry, verse 5 we'll keep it on here. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. It's not about us. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. That God did not put us on the world for it to be about us. He put us on earth to be about him, the creator. And our life message is about him. But this is difficult to remember because everything in the world is gonna lead us to believe that if we put ourselves first, we'll be happy. Like there's no advertisement that's gonna come up that says, think about God, give your life to him, put him first, and you're gonna be encouraged. No, it's all advert, we're inundated that, man, if I get this thing, I'm gonna be encouraged, then I'll be happy. That, oh man, that car with the sauce a sauce holders in the back seat that's what I need to be encouraged have you seen that one it's just like all these oh man I need this extender I need this thing I need this problem solved then I'm going to be encouraged but the here and now all the stuff all the problems that's what's discouraging us more of the same thing isn't going to be what encourages us. And we tend to think that if such and such happens to me, I'm going to be encouraged. That when I, but when I focus on me, I'm discouraged. Now, the second part of this verse, he talks about we are servants for Jesus' sake. What's he talking about? He's talking about motive. And he brings us back several times in this chapter where he talks about the motive of why he does what he does because motivation and encouragement go hand in hand. Because you can do the right thing for the wrong reason, but you can't do it for very long. The why will always determine the how long in your life. Your why will determine the how long. Because if you go out on a project or a goal, you get an ambition, and you forget why you're doing that thing, discouragement will cause you to quit. And many people start off in life knowing why they want to do what they, what they want to do, that this particular career, or to marry this person. But when you forget why you married that person, and you forget why you went into that career, you forget why you gave your life to Jesus Christ, 
it's going to cut short the how long. The why determines the how long. And discouragement always happens when we forget the why. So what is, what's your why? What's keeping you going in your Christian faith, in that relationship? Let's go to verse six. He says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. He says we are jars, we are weak jars of clay. And when you think about it, that's what God loves to use. God invaded earth as a baby of peasants in a barn. The kingdom of God entered through weakness, not through strength. And God's always done that. He's interested in using weak people who trust him so his strength can shine through them. This is what humility is all about. When we say it's not about us, it's not about denying your strengths. And it's about being honest about your weaknesses and giving, giving God the glory. So it's not about us, we're gonna give God the Glory, but number four, we're gonna also encourage others. In fact, we'll use our pain to encourage others. Remember that list that I went through, the shipwrecks and the prisons and the beatings and all of those things. In verse eight, he says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Now why? Why is, why is Paul this resilient and this resistant to discouragement? What allows him to just get back up again every time he's knocked down? Well, if you would ask Paul, why did you put up with all that? Why did you put up with the jailings and the beatings and going without food and without clothes and being shipwrecked three times. Why did, you, why did you suffer through all that? Why did you endure? He would respond with verse 15, all of this was for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. He says, I kept on going. I don't get discouraged because it's helping others. Even in my pain. And study after study has shown that human beings can handle an enormous amount of pain if they see a purpose in it. That when you have pain and you don't see any purpose, it's unbearable. It's unbearable. You can't see a purpose. It says here, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of my sufferings? It's for other people's benefits. And sometimes you will suffer for the benefit of other people. And at that moment, you are never more like Christ. Because that's what Jesus did. He suffered on the cross, not for his benefit. He hadn't done anything wrong. He suffered on the cross for our benefit. This is called redemptive suffering. That what in your life is so painful that you can't even think about it? But you could be using it to help other people. Your greatest ministry, your greatest difference will come out of your deepest hurts if you are honest to God honest with yourself and honest with other people. 
this is not heaven, this is earth. And earth is, everything is broken. And there is pain, there is suffering, evil lives here. And it's not good, we should fight it, we should avoid it, we should push back on it where we can, but it's gonna happen, there will be suffering, don't waste it. Paul says use it for good. That your greatest pain could become your greatest ministry. Encourage others. Friend, do you want to be encouraged? Encourage others. Do you want to be loved? Love others. But then he gets to the fifth thing. And before I give it to you, this is the one we would would put first. Just our natural, in our nature, we would put this one first. But look how far down this is in this chapter. Verse 16 says, take time for renewal. Over the long haul, you gotta figure out how, ways to recharge, to refresh, to renew yourself. And if you don't learn how to refresh and renew and recharge, you're gonna be discouraged and you're gonna wanna give up, no matter the project, the goal, the dream, whatever. And Paul talks about this in verse 16. That is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying, and this word dying in the Greek is wasting away. Do you ever feel like your body's wasting away? The body's wasting away, but our spirits are being renewed every day. And you can't keep the body from wasting away. You can't stop the aging process. But you can stay fresh on the inside through letting God renew your spirit. And you need to spiritually renew, let God spiritually renew you every day. Every day. It's like hooking up the jumper cables to get your spirit recharged. Now this is different. This is different than rest. This is different than peace and quiet. That I love to go hiking. The lake is fun. All that stuff is great. Rest is great. Peace and quiet is great. But I don't ever want to trade renewal for rest. I don't want to trade peace and quiet for the peace of Christ because the peace of Christ you can have while you're working three jobs to pay off debt. You can have it in the chaos of the world. You can have renewal even when you're not getting your way. Don't trade renewal in for simply rest and peace and quiet. Go to God to renew your spirit. Worship renews our spirits. And then we stay focused. Through this renewal, we can stay focused. Number six, stay focused on what will last forever. And Paul's final secret for defeating discouragement is not to look at the here and now. He says you need to maintain an eternal perspective. If you live for the here and now, you're gonna be frustrated because the here and now is what's discouraging you. But when you look to heaven, when you look into the future, when you look to the coming rewards, when you look at the things God has planned for you, verse 17, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever. This is a matter of perspective. 
He says, all these problems that I face, they're small compared to the coming rewards and the joys that we're going to have forever and ever. Even if I have a chronic problem that I'll face every day of my life, my life on earth is temporary, praise God. It's 60, 70, 80 years, whatever it is. But there is eternity on the other side. Temporary problems, eternal rewards. You know, there are three kinds of motivation in life that you're gonna need to keep going. Don't you love it when I start a new sermon at the end of of one? (laughs) There's three motivations in life. There's internal motivation, that's inside of you. There's external motivation when things are outside of you are motivating you to do something, and those are okay, but there is a much stronger one that is eternal motivations, which is this life is not all there is. God has set eternity in your heart. You were made to last forever. And we're gonna spend much more time on that side of death than this side. So think about the eternal motivation. How did Jesus handle all the pain, suffering, discouragements? How did he handle the cross? It was the joy set before him. He's looking to the reward. He had his eyes set on eternity. And only when you see the invisible can you do the impossible. Only when you see the invisible can you do the impossible. It all depends on what you've got your gaze set on. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, or as Paul says, look forward to what we have not yet seen. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Let me pray for you. Father, I I don't know who's hearing this message right now, but you do, and you know the hearts, and you know those who are on the edge of discouragement, or deep, deep in discouragement. And I pray that we'll take your word and not just hear it, not just learn it, but apply it and practice it. Now you pray, say, God, please renew me, recharge my spirit, my soul, my body, my heart, my relationships. I need your renewal. Help me to not get so caught up in the day-to-day and the problems of the moment that I lose my focus on eternity. Help me to remember that this life is not all there is, that I'm made to last forever. And even the pain in my life is temporary compared to the time that I will be with you in heaven. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. And I'd encourage you just right now in your seat, wherever you may be listening to this, just claim that promise and make a commitment. Say, God, I'm saying today, I'm not going to give up. Tell the Lord that. I'm not going to give up. God, help us to trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.